You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin. I am not joined by anybody quite yet. Usually, Adam Maris would be here, but he is off this week. Uh, I gave him a week out, week off. I will be off next week. We're just kind of jumbling the schedule around, getting some some extra time in here for the sprint to the playoffs, and then eventually the playoffs that I will be watching from the sidelines. Anyway, uh, today's going to be a fun show, though. In Adam's place, we grabbed, we were able to get uh, Sam Amick of The Athletic. Uh, he and I are going to talk about which teams have the most at stake on our way to the playoffs and then eventually in the playoffs. So it's just going to be a quick intro here uh, to take you around the league tonight. Uh, the most important thing I believe that will happen uh, or will have happened by the end of the evening will be Utah losing in Atlanta. Utah is in that in that wild was five through eight chase, <laughs> whatever it is, where everybody is tied basically at forty two and thirty. Uh, the the loss knocks them down to the seven seed. The Oklahoma City Thunder, at the time that I was talking to Sam, were in the eight seed. They launch, they they jump all the way up to the five spot. Uh, so you have at five through eight, you have OKC. San Antonio, Utah, and the Clippers all tied at 42 wins and 30 losses. Uh, That's pretty wild. And then, you know, a couple games ahead of them, you have Portland. Houston is uh, a a half a game up on Portland. And then you have a bit of a gap to see Golden State and Denver in that one and two spots. So the West is going to be insane. And that makes losses like Utah took tonight just all the more frustrating because, you know, yes, Atlanta has been playing better basketball of late. Trey Young uh, appears to be making that Luka Doncic trade uh, a little bit more <laughs> uh, swallowable. For for Atlanta, seeing as he's picked things up out there. So uh, Atlanta seems to have a really bright future ahead of them. Uh, but still, Utah can't drop that game, man. <laughs> Not when you're not when you're in in a in a nightly battle for seeding, uh, that loss knocks them down to the seven spot where they have to now face if the playoffs were to start right now the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the difference in that would be, you know, I would much rather play the Portland Trailblazers, especially if C.J. McCollum's injury winds up being a bad one, uh, than the Denver Nuggets, and and that winds up being the difference right now. So uh, it's still early. We still have about ten games to go for. All of those five through eight teams, and I would imagine that they uh, this comes right down to the nitty gritty. Uh, I'm going to stop rambling though. The conversation that I had with Sam was really fun. Uh, like I said, we start with the Eastern Conference. We we have a little bit of fun. March Madness is underway. Uh, I, I wonder how you guys are, are, how all your brackets are doing. My bracket so far, I believe all of my Final Four teams are still alive. Uh, that makes me feel a little bit better. There's nothing worse than losing a Final Four team on the first day. I can remember Virginia last year. Oh, man, that was brutal. Uh, but the so I would imagine most of the brackets are still doing okay. There have been a couple upsets, but there were those were on the margins of of most brackets. 
We'll see how things turn out there, though. Uh, this is probably we're getting into the most exciting time in basketball for the year. So uh, we have March Madness to get through. We have these playoffs and, and the seating and getting ready for that. And then, you know, we have about 10 games to go before the actual real deal starts. So Western Conference in segment two, Eastern Conference in segment three. Uh, we talk about or no, vice versa. Eastern Conference in segment two. Western Conference in segment three, we talk about the teams that we think have the most to lose and the most to gain. You have a lot of free agency talk. Uh, he actually drops a bit of a nugget, no pun intended, uh, on what happened during the Anthony Davis trade saga uh, that that I had heard just kind of whispered about, but not necessarily fully reported. So uh, that was interesting. Uh, make sure you guys check out the rest of this. He also, Sam also had a really good article on the Oklahoma City Thunder and then how they view the uh, Golden State Warriors. He sat down with Draymond Green and he mentioned his conversation with Draymond Green in this really fun conversation. I'm going to throw directly into that and we will talk to you again next week. All right, and we're joined now by Sam Amick of The Athletic. Uh, Sam has been on a few times here on Locked On NBA. Uh, it's always a busy time of the year, really, in, in the NBA. But, Sam, the NCAA tournament has just kicked off. Are you a big college hoops guy, too, or, or is it just strictly NBA stuff for you? It's funny, Anthony. I'm, I'm not. I hate to admit it. Um, I had a couple years when I was at Sports Illustrated where that – was it was kind of a highlight of my career where I was tasked with the charge of trying to keep up with Jonathan Gavoni and Chad Ford and mm. to do the draft thing. And honestly, for you know, for having no background in that going in, like I felt like I pretty I did a pretty darn good job and like that was the specialty. So when the rest of the SI staff would jump on the playoff train, I was diving down the draft hole. I would go to the combine every year. Uh, and I knew these guys backwards and forwards and constantly trying to get the intel and, you know, your own mock draft. And, and so there was a time when I was all over it. And that time has definitely passed. When I was at USA Today, the playoffs were the focus every single year. And, and so I wouldn't really start paying attention to the college side, honestly, until like March Madness. I mean, you know, other than like the top three to five guys. And this year is not that different. I was, uh, I was actually in Oklahoma City last week, and uh, my colleague and, and buddy Darnell Mayberry of the Athletic was giving me a hard time because the uh, Duke North Carolina game was on, and he kind of referenced, he kind of waved a couple times at the television, like, <laughs> "Man, we got a good one here," and I just kept talking about whatever <laughs> I was talking about, and he's like, "Man, you're not a college basketball guy, are you?" I'm like, "Ah, I am, but all right, fine, let's watch." Like, you know. <laughs> so. It's a long-winded way of saying it's not necessarily my my bailiwick. Yeah, I, I I'm right there with you. I I try to get into it. To me, you know what you know what my honest gripe with college basketball is: there's too many charges. <laughs> That's a funny one. <laughs> it's just it, I just move your feet, you know. And, and by the and way, okay, I'm gonna hijack Stanford. it real quick. Uh-huh. And and so this is for the purposes of your listeners. If I if I if I provide one thing of value today on this visit this is going to be it have you seen it's, it's it's basically a social media plug have you seen uh rex chapman's thing that he does on twitter the uh, block and charge thing block and charge thing yeah <laughs> yeah cracks me up like it's, it's a highlight of my day the, the one i saw in you know former player former executive rex chapman um 
he had one last night and I don't, it, it looked like a real video. I don't know why people do this. Like dude is, is standing up in a canoe, trying to put the canoe up on the dock and he's on, you know, he's, he's not aware of his surroundings at all. And then another guy comes out like a hall of fame linebacker <laughs> and just takes him out and it's block charge. There's always these ridiculous videos. So I go follow Rex Chapman. That's what I got for they're, you. They're really good. There was a time where he was talking about how, you know, this is the dumbest thing he's ever been associated with or something. He might end the thread and the outcry from it. Saying, no, 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 this is amazing. So funny. It's so funny. I love it. <laughs> it was really good. Um, all right. I guess we should focus on, on the NBA. This is locked on NBA. Uh, today's show, as I as I kind of teased at the beginning of the show, is is we're going to talk about as we get ready for the playoffs and teams start vying for seeding. Uh, we pretty much know, you know, the Eastern Conference is separated by about a game and a half at the very bottom of the conference, but you know that's just first round fodder for the Milwaukee Bucks anyway. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about you know as these teams get ready for seeding. And as these these matchups start to look a little bit more clear, which teams have more at stake as we head into the playoffs? You know, you have free agency stuff that's that's coming up. You have uh, just pride in, in being in the playoffs for the first time in a while uh, and, and the way that seasons have gone and, and all of that. So there's plenty of stuff to, to still dive into here. I'll start here in the Eastern Conference. Is there is there a team that has more on the line as the playoffs get set to, to get started here than the Boston Celtics? Um, let's see. I mean, Philly has a lot on the line. I mean, Boston probably leads that list. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and apologies if I didn't hear you. Are you talking East only? Or are you talking league wide? Yeah. So we'll start. We'll start in this first segment. Uh, well, it's the second segment of the show. But in this first segment, we'll talk about the East, and then in the in the second segment, we'll get to the West. My 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 ADD kicked in. I got distracted. Sorry, Anthony. Oh, um, I have the same thing. They, <laughs> um, I would say Philly and Boston. You know, Toronto's is. It's kind of more straightforward. Like they have a lot on the line. They need to put on a good show, you know, for and with Kawhi Leonard. Um, so they, they, they're probably on that list too. Um, but, but Boston's situation is, you know, well-known and you're talking about that dual track existence of, you know, getting Kyrie to a place where he enjoys his playoff run uh, enough to where he wants to come back. But then also just, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see like what is the internal stock on Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. going you know after the playoffs because the, you know that's going to color their discussions with the Pelicans once the Anthony Davis thing strikes up again in June. So there's a lot there, and um, you know it's it's fascinating. Lately, I know they dropped that game to Philly, but they look pretty good for most of the night. Kyrie, I think, has scored 30-plus in either three or four games in a row. He's playing strong. Um, you know, all around the league for most of the season, from other teams, there's been the sense that when playoff time came around, that Boston was going to coalesce in the kind of way that would make them really dangerous. It, it, it appears that's happening, and, you know, it would be curious to see if that is the case. Do you think Boston would rather be the four or the five seed? Because I feel like if Boston is the four seed and they lose game one, things can start to snowball really quickly on them. That's fair. So would that be at this point an indie situation at the five? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. right now, right now they're they're uh, looks like a game back of Indiana for the four seed. 
I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you ever don't want home court. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say they would want the four. Uh, although I'll tell you, and this is like the smallest sample size ever, but I actually got to go to a game in Boston a couple of weeks ago for the first time in a decade. I just, I don't get East all that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not since my beat writing days had I been in that building and uh, it was a trip from the standpoint of, for one, I, I just forgot, like their fans are probably on top of the list all around the league from an intensity standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it, it almost felt like that's a blessing and a curse. So to your point, like game one, everybody's geeked up, ready to roll. They dropped the ball. You know, that could turn on you. Um, but, you know, I think you, you're still going to want home court, you know, every day of the week. I think so. I, I think so too. I think you kind of keep it simple. If you're if you're vying to have one fewer home game, you're overthinking it a little bit. You know, the, those are both. And I actually just same thing with Boston. I went to Indiana for the first time in a long time recently. I've cr- I've heard that's an awesome arena. It's designed <laughs> specifically for basketball. Yeah, it's a wonderful arena. For you know, for a long time, it was kind of the uh, the crown crown jewel of arenas when it comes to other teams that would do their homework on what they wanted their arena to include. So like in Sacramento, when they were doing homework on what they wanted, they took a lot of notes from uh, at the time, what was a uh, Conseco field house and same thing with the warriors people as they were building the chase center, that's going to open up next year in San Francisco. It's, it's a great building, but the, the fans are great too. They've got this group. I'm forgetting what they they call them, but it's like a, a very college atmosphere type hmm. You know, almost like the fraternity sorority group section where they come up with the silly chants. I think they were the ones who who were uh, chanting to uh, Lonzo Ball or the other young Lakers that that LeBron was going to trade you. <laughs> <laughs> like, they they come up with this kind of ruthless but not over the line stuff. Um, so a lot of and, you know that would be a, a great fan first round matchup if it was a if it was a Boston Indy situation. Yeah, that's. Uh... I I enjoy smart trash talk from fans. You know, we've we've had we've had a couple instances where it goes the other way, where it's just it's not smart, it's backwards, it's it's offensive. But if you have if you have like actually clever things to say to a player, you know, there there are instances where a player might even just kind of look up and laugh and just you know you, you got me on that one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, That's a whole different topic. Actually, I'm, I'm kind of chipping away. I might be writing a story about the fan stuff. And oh, there was some stuff I saw in OKC that was definitely over the line and, and it's you know i don't i can't relate to these people who who, who do this um yeah. in, in a as a sad kind of statement like i have two young sons who i don't hardly ever take the games because i don't i'm not comfortable having to trust the behavior of of kind of people around you know you at the game so that that i'm with you the, the, but this is different this is the stuff where it is the kind of thing that leads a player to to smirk when he looks up and, and cracks up at whatever little jab is coming his way. Yeah. I, it's been, it's been tough to, I, I'm, I have a kid on the way and I'm right there with you. I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would want to open up my kid to <laughs> the stuff that gets heaved. Cause you know, then you have to explain afterwards, like, wait, why is that okay there, but not okay on the streets? And it's like, well, that's the uh, million dollar question. <laughs> You know, I remember as a young dude and and now I'm going down the rabbit hole, but like I was a a San Francisco 49ers fan and uh, we went to a game at Candlestick Park and, you know, I have like this traumatic visual memory in my head of 
this dude who was wearing like all fatigues, like military clothing was just dropping F-bombs like crazy right behind us. And, and then it just gets uncomfortable. I remember, you know, my dad saying something to him, it's heating up and it's like, that's the stuff that it just happens too much. Cause what ends up happening is, you know, especially late in the game, you know, you've been drinking a ton, you paid a bunch of money to be in those seats. So you, you're kind of feeling yourself in terms of a, an ego arrogant standpoint. And, you know, and then with social media and all that too, everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are now wired in the kind of way where like they want their little moment. So if they can, if they can piss Russ off and get him to say something back, then they can tell their friends that they did that. And, and there you go. I mean, that's kind of, I think, unfortunately, where uh, a lot of the culture has gone. What a weird thing to be proud of. What an odd right. thing to, <laughs> I just, I, I guess I function differently or we function differently. Let's, uh, let's get back really quick. I have one last question for you about the Eastern conference and it's, so you look at, we, we, we started this conversation off with teams who have a bunch at stake. Uh, you talked about Toronto with Kawhi, Philly has their free agency decisions that are coming up. Boston, obviously with Kyrie, how big of an advantage do you think it is for teams like Milwaukee and even a team like Indiana to, ha- to, to be able to go into these po- this postseason with that not on their backs at all. Like, yes, Milwaukee technically has a decision to make with Chris Middleton, but that's a pretty straightforward one on, on both sides. I think both sides seem to really want to make something work there. Uh, and And the fact that Milwaukee is probably a better team anyway and now doesn't have that stuff on their back, I, I feel like they should be far and away favorites to come out of the East. I mostly agree. I mean – but the Brogdon loss is tough. Yeah. And, you know, and, and again, it's, it's nice for them. I mean, they gotta be a little careful to not, not overlook whoever it is in the first round. In mm-hmm. fact, I think I heard Giannis even say, as he was talking about Brogdon, like, you know, well, by the time we're in the second round, like, you know, they can't, they can't just assume they got to actually go out and win the games. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where they are on paper, the most dominant team in the NBA, but they also have gotten bounced in the first round two years in a row. So mm-hmm. don't count your chickens type of deal. But I would agree with you that in terms of the free agency component, that is a nice luxury because the Middleton thing is extremely healthy in terms of his relationship with the team and his teammates, you know, kind of a mutual admiration society there. And, and then you have all these other far less comfortable dynamics, whether it's Kawhi, in Toronto, um, the Warriors with Kevin Durant. I mean, Clay Thompson thing is very comfortable. People think he'll be back, but Kevin's is different. You know, Philly. Philly's is tricky because with Tobias Harris, I think it's it's positive. In fact, I've been in touch with his camp, and they rave about Elton Brand and feel good about the spot. You know, Jimmy Butler's is, you know, I think a little more like worth monitoring. Even though yesterday was a, a nice day for him with you know playing that closer role and beating Boston. Mm-hmm. So that's the stuff where. Um, it's weird because these players, they all with good reason, like they take up for one another when it comes to free agency and freedom and happiness. And, and you want all of your fellow players to just be in a place where they are content, except that when it impacts you, you might think a little differently. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to lose that guy. So that's when you add in the the pressure of a playoff matchup and the, the, just the drama that goes on for two months you know, you never know when those kind of interpersonal dynamics might play a part. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting when in Indiana their fans start chanting "Kyrie's leaving." You know, that, right. like we know right. that's coming. That's going to be hundred <laughs> percent. All right, we're going to uh, take a quick second here, pay a couple bills, and when we come back, we're going to focus on the Western Conference and and try to figure out you know what direction some of these teams are going in. And these same questions that we have, like we, there's a reason we talked about Milwaukee there at the very be- at the very end of that last segment. The very beginning and next segment, we're going to talk about Golden State because they have that same free agency drama that has followed them around all season along. And, you know, I think that's the one thing that can really start to chip away at, at their chances of repeating is if this stuff gets uglier when the, the lights get hotter, that could get interesting. So we'll get back to that here in a second. So you look at Golden State, and we just talked a little bit about how things are – you use the word healthy in regards to uh, Chris Middleton and his relationship with the Milwaukee Bucks and his teammates and how they're approaching free agency. I don't think we can use that same uh, word to describe things in in Golden State. <laughs> is that a is that is that going too far in the other direction here? Do you think this Do you think the situation here, not only with Kevin Durant but also with Demarcus Cousins, could jump up at, at various points over the course of the postseason? Yeah, they just they have a lot going on, and it's not. I mean, I don't even know that I'd feel comfortable labeling it unhealthy. I think yeah. it's more nuanced than that. It's just tricky. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, and it's kind of wrought with, you know, danger, so to speak. Um, danger when it comes to the, here's the one new wrinkle that that uh, is surprised me a little bit. There's been some recent kind of alleged discord just when it comes to some of the players and Steve Kerr, which has been reported, you know, in the Bay Area media and nothing crazy at all, but like. There were a couple of reports. I know Monty Poole of NBC Sports Bay Area wrote one, and and uh, I always feel bad not giving credit. I forget who had the other, but the idea being that like players wanted Steve to push back on the refs a little more. Oh, I, know yeah, it was, I saw it was that. Our Marcus Thompson at the mm-hmm. Athletic had written that, and 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 even it's funny off air, Anthony. You and I talked about some of these things that columns that get written that are, you know, very, that are scrutinizing certain people with teams and how sometimes the people getting covered, they got to be smart enough to know that a lot of these insights are coming kind of from the inside. Yeah. So like when Marcus Thompson writes a whole column about things that would probably be a great idea for Steve Kerr to, to start trying to do, you know, if you know Marcus well enough, it's like he talks to everybody in the room yeah. um, and you got to look through that filter, I guess. Um, but the Steve Kerr stuff is tricky. It's not, you know, that that's not as volatile as some of the other ones potentially, but that's that's kind of new. He, Steve's had a love affair with the players since the beginning, and now you're talking about, you know, he's been there doing this for a while. Um, then you have the Durant free agency stuff and where, you know, I, I did connect with Draymond Green when I was in Oklahoma City, and the first time for me in months when I had a chance to, you know, it, it, this stuff's so sensitive, so you don't want to sit there and just throw it in his lap and have him, get upset because all we do is focus on free agency. But I, mm-hmm. I got our conversation to a point where I said, all right, I know you guys are tired of hearing about it, but you know, where are things at when it comes to Kevin and, and the idea that you don't know if he's in this beyond this summer and, and whether or not that impacts this locker room. And he was pretty bold. Like he said, first of all, like, you know, if he stays, he stays, if he goes, he goes. 
whatever happens this summer happens. And then he just a hundred percent threw down a good old fashioned guarantee and said, but we're winning the championship. Um, so his stance is that he and they have compartmentalized Kevin's free agency, which is, I believe him, but then it's like, all right, fast forward to the conference finals or even the second round. Give me a moment when trust comes into play, when positivity and vibe comes into play. And if that foundation is cracked, you know, does, you know, do we see kind of a familiar flare up, if that makes sense? I think that's the, the stuff that's interesting. You know which team I wouldn't want to play if I was the Golden State Warriors? And, and it, it's all relative. You know, the, the, the bottom four teams in, in the Western Conference are obviously not on the same, not on the same level as, as the teams at the top. But I don't know if I'd want to play the Clippers. It's, you're playing a team like the Lakers ran into this very same thing the other day. And the Lakers obviously have all of their own problems to deal with. But the, the, the culture that the Clippers have right now is is one of the collective being greater than each individual part right and and somebody like Patrick Beverly is going to pick at that scab every single chance he gets to the, to the point where you know i just it's not so much that i think Patrick Beverly is is a singular tough matchup for Steph Curry defensively anything like that i just don't think i would want to go up against a team that has some type of an identity uh and 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 shoot even OKC has this to a certain extent too, where you know they got Paul George to buy back in. Russell Westbrook at, at a couple times this season has taken a step back as he's identified that the team is a little bit better with Paul George leading the charge. It makes me nervous that George is dealing with this shoulder injury that has tanked his jumper. But I just I, I wouldn't want to play against a team that can honestly say we are all bought in here. You can't say that same thing. Yeah, it's funny. I just did a, a, another, I did a radio hit, Anthony, where like I actually picked the Clippers as the team I would want to play if I was the Warriors. Yeah. But you you are kind of selling me on it. I mean, my argument was that the Spurs, as, as great a story as they have been recently, you know, and as much as I think Pop certainly should be on that coach of the year short list, although it's not really short this year, it's like five or six long, yeah. but like, <laughs> they still have two all-stars and a guy yeah. who's can play at an all-star level in Rudy Gay. Um, you know, they have the talent and the coaching and the history uh, that would scare me a little bit if I was the Warriors. Then you've got, like, if I, if I was picking the team I wouldn't want to see, I think it would be OKC. But my hypothetical is, let's say Paul's shoulder gets right uh, and, and they get, kind of get whole again. Because at times this season – they certainly, they look like a top three team in the West and yeah. this has been a bad stretch for them. But the part of me that would love to see that series is just simply like the emotional component, because if you take a step back and we just remind ourselves of like the bigger backdrop of that story, like, can you imagine where Russell's mind would be at <laughs> if given the opportunity to, you know, harpoon the warriors for lack of a better way of putting it, in the first round, months away from Kevin's free agency, uh, you know, as they try to three-peat. And to do it when you got the guy who, you know, filled in in Kevin's place, Paul George, right there. The guy who uh, everybody always forgets was part of the James Harden trade and Stephen Adams. At least that was the pick that led to Stephen. Um, and you could sit there and puff your chest and say, we knocked you all off. 
we actually have a better like core and a better foundation because Kevin's leaving. Uh, you know, like that OKC backstory would be that would make for good theater. But the Clippers thing, you know, your points are certainly valid. I mean, they they would have nothing to lose, and they have a, a great competitive spirit. I would I would question just from a talent level, yeah, how they keep up. But even if they put up a good fight, I mean, that I guarantee a Steve Bomber wants that matchup because that's as good a recruiting pitch as you can make to Kevin Durant yeah. is, you know, look at, we, we, we did this with nothing. I mean, no disrespect to Gallo and, you know, Montrose you traded away the Williams. best player. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if you read and, and uh, I'm usually running around plugging athletic stuff, but my buddy, uh, Ben Golliver of the Washington post had a really good read on the Clippers yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that piece, it talked about how like doc rivers, after they traded Tobias had like therapy sessions with the players to convince them that they weren't tanking. And, you know, I ended up writing that like Steve Ballmer internally had made it clear they wanted to be in the playoffs. And it's funny, like when I wrote it, I knew it was true, but then you kind of want the, the real life actions to bear out your reporting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then, so I was watching them closely like there's getting into the playoffs and then there's this, I mean, this is, what are they now? 42 and 30, something like that. Like it's insane. I mean, this is legitimate. This is not sneaking in as an eight seed. This is being a really good team. Yeah. They, and, and to me, it, it matters how they've done it. I, I just, there are very few teams out there that I feel are more together, more bought in than this Clippers team is. And, you know, to to I'm I obviously I host Locked On Lakers and everything that the Clippers do is always going to be compared to the Lakers and Bill Simmons threw out a poll on Twitter the other day and asked like which team would you f- more comfortably buy into their future with and even though the Lakers are the Lakers and even though they 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 currently employ LeBron James like the fact that that's even a conversation is is the is the larger point that we should be talking about there right and i think yeah, yeah. with with all of with the the you know now teams like denver i think teams like houston i i don't you know that that advantage that the clippers might have is a little bit lessened you know because those teams are are pretty much situated anyway but you know for a team uh, for a team specifically like the warriors that has so many of these question marks so much drama kind of floating around their locker room the the, the playoffs is when that stuff really comes to roost and and that's going to be really interesting is there any other team in the west that you think can gain considerably you know the clippers obviously with Ka- Kawhi Leonard uh, I'm, I'm looking around here. Is there any team here that you're looking at in the West to say, like, okay, a, a nice little playoff run here situates them especially well moving forward? Um, as I cheat and look at the standings yeah, here. doing the same I mean, thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, I think it's important for Denver to make some noise. Yeah. You know, Denver needs – they need to get out of the first round. And that's – the thing is that's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy – I mean, honestly, there's just not anybody in the bottom four who's a guarantee. The Clippers on paper would be their best matchup. So if you if you go from let's you know if you, let's assume the Warriors edge them out for the top seed in the West, but if you go from like being right there with the Warriors, you have a clear delineation between the top two teams in the West mm-hmm. record wise, and then you know right now a three and a half game gap to Houston. You go from that to first round bounce out that's a tough pill to swallow because they, you know, they have such a good young core that 
you know unofficially that, that you're not winning the championship this year, but like the value that would come with, you know, even getting to the second round and then maybe even a conference finals appearance would be the kind of thing that then would help them grow and mature, you know, conceivably into a contender. And, you know, but in the absence of that, how does that affect the mood in Denver if it just kind of all ends prematurely? So I think that's interesting to watch. Um, the Rockets, you know, they, what's going to be fun to watch about the Rockets is, and again, I think it makes the fan experience more fun when you have like a good sense of the mood of the teams you root for and like where they're at in, in life. This Rockets team, like Father Time is sitting there yep. banging on that door, screaming at him, and they know it. They know that Chris Paul, I mean, Mike D'Antoni, and I love him, he can say whatever he wants about, I know Chris is going to be Chris for the entirety of this massive contract. He doesn't know that, you know. <laughs> and, and this is, you know, I talked to P.J. Tucker a little while ago about their mindset, and he just was like, no, like, we're in it to win it. I know that sounds cliche. He's like, but this is not like a thing where we want to keep taking kind of bites at the apple. It's like, no, like we're going to swallow that whole thing all the way through and and get the job done. Um, So I think Houston's mentality and obviously with the the heartache that came with, you know, they thought they had that conference final series last year. Yep. I think they're compelling, you know, the Portland thing, you know, is another, there's a lot on the line there. It's CJ McCollum's injury is big. When does he come back? But then, you know, they've kind of accepted like they've accepted a certain level of me, not mediocrity. It's, it's above average basketball. Yeah. Um, but then they took it to a new level this year. And, and I like their formula better than ever. When you talk about Nurkic truly growing into that third guy and, um, and how physical he is. And then, you know, Anna's Cantor coming in to, you know, to give them another big body and another option coming off the bench. You know, I think if they flamed out in the first round, I don't know what the fallout would be, if any, because Terry Stotts has a ton of loyalty in that locker room. But that would be that would be a, a definite negative. With, by the way, uh, I think I have this right. Damian, I believe, has two years left on his deal. Um, and so, you know, Damian's one of those superstars who you kind of you need to make sure he stays relatively content. Uh, you know, lest he go down the Anthony Davis road. So, I think uh, a lot on the line. It's funny you mentioned Anthony Davis there. I I can't help but look at Denver as a potential, you know how a mystery team pops up every time these these big trade rumors come around. The Denver Nuggets feel like a team that if they really if let's say they things don't go their way and they flame out in the first round or or the second round was just really ugly, if they decide they want to consolidate their talent, I I can't help but look at the number of assets that they have and and cease a pairing between uh, a New Orleans team that doesn't want to maybe completely rebuild from the ground up uh, and and might look at those younger assets and say, all right, well, maybe we maybe we can lower our, our basement. Maybe we can lower our floor and go after Denver's uh, assets here and, and send Anthony Davis to a conference, keep him in the conference with the Lakers uh, to keep their headache rolling. And and move forward with that. So that's that's the thing I'm I'm looking for most here with Denver is to, if if I things mean, go go ahead. No, I mean that's a good observation. Um, you know, a little to fill in the gaps there. I mean, for one, they definitely had interest and called on it on AD at the time when he became available. Mm-hmm. Um, they have an aggressive front office, and Tim Conley 
their GM who just got re-upped, and so now you have stability there. Tim worked in New Orleans and was part of the team that drafted AD, um, you know, back when he first entered the league. And they have the mentality, I know, regarding Anthony, that even though all the focus has been on L.A., that he's a, a pretty low-key guy who can, you know, he really legitimately, genuinely just wants to win and to win it all. So I think the only question there would be like, is there, is there any way at all that there's a deal that doesn't involve Jokic? Because that's the one I just don't, you know, I don't see them coming off of Nikola. But I think for sure the uh, the interest is there. That's something that they've been kicking around. Yeah, that'd be that'd be an interesting one. It's going to be a great playoffs. I, I have a really good feeling about. You know, right from the start here, especially if the Golden State, if Golden State goes up against OKC in the first round, that's some of the first, like the, the East isn't going to provide outside of that four or five matchup, very many fireworks. The the West being able to provide some of that for the first time in a, in a little while here too, that could be fascinating as well. But thanks very much, Sam, for, for hopping on and, and uh, talking about all this stuff with me. If you haven't checked it out, please do check out his, his latest on... Uh, his conversation with Draymond and and the look at the Warriors through the eyes of the Oklahoma City Thunder. That was really good as well. He's over there at The Athletic. Sam, thanks for hopping on, and I guess I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. You too.